Hello, and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 90, here on... Oh, that number is terrifying. Yes, here <laughs> on Metal Max Xeno Eve. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Wandering in the Wastelands, David McMurray, Fanboy Master, desperately trying to sh put together a tank via, like, the help of many small dogs. Sweet. <laughs> that and... sounds awfully familiar. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea which game you're talking about. It still sounds familiar. Okay, well, I'm over here in Japan. And, uh, you know, Gaiji Minogatari, the other Michael. And I currently got to watch a massive disaster caused by a underwater kaiju from Final Fantasy X. Nice. That big old space whale. Yep. This one is much less friendly than the one six games ago that took you to the moon. Yep. But it is interesting having a almost literal force of nature as the motive, as the motive of, or motivation for the entire game. It's yeah. really like fighting a typhoon. Yes, actually, yeah. I taught a typhoon that's named after your dad. Yes. My big strong typhoon, Dad. Uh, so. Uh, what was I going to say? Losing my brain. Um, to celebrate the pending release of Metal Max, you know, we got no Metal Max questions. I got one just briefly from uh, JS Carp. Sweet. Uh, he was asking, it's very good that Gaijin is still here to answer this. Inquiring minds, meaning potential reviewers, are curious how long Metal Max Xeno might be, you know, if you're in touch with someone with that info. He actually asked me this on on the Slack as well. I'm going to say about 25 to 30 hours. Honestly, I'm kind of pleased with that number. That's not. Mm. I was worried that it would move closer to the 40-hour mark, and that's a little. Oh, it, I mean, again, your mileage will certainly vary, especially oh, depending definitely. on how well you are um, used to messing around with some of the upgrade systems. I, mean, I would have actually just checked my game save, except I'm like two thirds of the way through a second playthrough, and it just keeps the timer going. Oh, yeah, I love it when that happens. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, it's certainly a shorter game than Metal Max 4 was, which ended up <laughs> at, like, 80-something hours by the time I was finished. Oh, boy. Jeez. But, hey, Metal Max 4 also had sub-quests coming out the wazoo. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. Few, no, le no fewer than two separate Romeo and Juliet-style subplots. Nice. <laughs> One of which There's a lot of nice Romeo in and the other of which actually ended up with everyone dead. <laughs> You're allowed to destroy the ending once, but not twice. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the first time it was actually played straight. Oh, wow. I mean, technically, technically, Romeo and Juliet had their sort of relationship reversed mm. uh, as who's doing what. But yeah, Romeo faked his death. Actually, no, Juliet... One of them faked their death, and the other one killed themselves, and so the other one killed himself again. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Well, thankfully, that, that question is out of the way. Unthankfully, that was all the metal match we had. <laughs> Sad face. Well, let's see if there's some questions here that uh, could be answered in the form of metal max. <laughs> answered in the form of a metal max. 
This is the greatest and worst game of Jeopardy yet made. Uh, oh, Lulwoops did have something that was not quite a question, but he was curious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no questions. Maybe how much secret stuff this game has in it without spoiling any of it. I want to play the game and do all the crazy off-the-wall stuff. So which, which so, game? How much optional content the game has and like how in, much of it is wacky. <laughs> in Metal Max Xeno? Yeah. It It's a very lean experience compared to the last three or four games in the series. That's a shame. So, um, I mean, there's there's quite a bit to do, but most of the really optional stuff is on New Game Plus. Ah. Uh, hmm. And you really want to keep it on New Game Plus because that's the only way you will have enough firepower to deal with some of it. Oh, that joyous uh, game setup. Yeah. Well, anyway, let me actually... Let's see. Save here. Metal Max. Okay, oops, I actually need to put the game in. Um, yeah. yeah. But no, you um, you won't have strange transporter accidents or ex- or go up to a space station to fight mutant carrots or... Hopefully uh, they... Or have a giant treasure hunt in an alpine Hawaiian beach resort. Uh, hopefully they reintroduce that whimsy to the series. Yes, Seriously, very much so. It's why I'm very happy I'm not reviewing that game. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how people react to it, uh, just those that don't have much Metal Max grounding. Yeah. I mean, if you're just coming in off of Metal Saga, <laughs> um, the. Uh, Metal Saga is way more all over the place um, in a lot of ways, but it also has a much more annoying set of interface issues. Yeah, there's like I remember playing Metal Saga, and there was there were good things in it. It probably wasn't worth getting to them, but the it had some things that were good. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, the Metal Sagas have a few setups that I would really, really like to. See. Um, done in more Metal Max games. <sighs> One day they'll recycle that and it'll turn into a good game. <laughs> yeah. I'll just take all the take all the stuff that worked from Metal Saga and take all the stuff that worked from Metal Saga DS and put them together and you got a good game. It was called Metal Max Three. <laughs> Uh, one day that'll be in English. Uh, yeah. I remember the last time that I looked at uh, Metal Max fan translations, there was one that was more recent than I realized. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, someone said... Like, someone announced attempts at fan translations of 3 and 2 Reloaded. We'll see if that happens anytime within our lifetimes. Yeah, really. But, I mean, Hope Springs Eternal. I'd like to play those. Mm-hmm. We can dream. We can. I'll play Xeno and, you know, probably at least yeah. have a decent time. Even if I know I could have it better. <laughs> can dream and then have our dreams utterly crushed. But... 
Hopefully people buy this game. That would probably be most useful, so long as they don't buy it, so long as they don't interpret people buying it as, this is what they want from the Metal Max. Uh, they want they want the Dower Boy in the post box. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just like to see the next Metal Max game have more people in it. People are what really make the post-apocalypse worth wandering around. Well, you they know, also make really good targets. People, wow. are, people are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Exactly. People die when they're killed. And people seem wicked when they're unwanted. Now you're just getting into philosophy. When you're strange. Faces look no. out. Oh, when no. you're strange. When you're strange. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> you totally missed what we were doing strange. there, didn't you, Dave? Yeah. No, I don't. I have no <laughs> earthly idea what you were going for. It's a Doors song. <laughs> oh yeah, I just I don't listen to a lot of the Doors. Sorry to say. No, that's cool. We cool. should fix that sometime. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I would have really liked to have seen something like the Killer Kitchen happen in Metal Magazino. I've been killed in the kitchen many times, and it won't stop happening. Oh no! This is in for Metal Saga DS. There was this house out in the middle of nowhere that you could come across, and if you stayed the night there, things kind of seemed strange and you were hearing voices or stuff. And then you get into the kitchen and as it turns out, the microwave stove, um, microwave oven and refrigerator set are actually killer robots that kill anybody who stays at the house. So the, the boss is, I mean, if I were doing the translation, I would have called that boss Hell's Kitchen. But, yeah. But yeah, the, the game definitely needed more bosses that were intended for non-tank battles. That's that's the balance you gotta hit, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, and different games were better at that balance than others. Mm-hmm. So um, Metal Sa- Metal Max One and Metal Saga One were both really awful at it. Metal Max 1 had kind of more of an excuse given that it was a, it was a NES game. Yes, but it was a late stage NES game that looked like an early stage NES game. Oh, heavens. Let me go look at this. When did this come out? Like 90? Uh, 91, heavens. Yeah, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. So, I mean, things like no backgrounds in battles. That's... Uh, <sighs> well, it it blossomed eventually. It took a while. Yes. No, no. I mean, the very next game was awesome. So. Yeah. Also, not an NES game anymore. <laughs> yep. And then they remade the NES game for Super Famicom. I think someone fan translated that eventually. I really need to. Pay- Play the remake sometime. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, any other questions that we can go through in the next 15 minutes? Uh, do, 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 do. From Joshua, a bit of gaming knowledge I actually know. Gus now uses the same engine as the Dynasty Warriors games for the Atelier games since they got bought out by Koei Tecmo. I believe they swapped around the time of the Mysterious... They mysterious series. They swapped around the time of the Mysterious series... Uh, which is why those games perform worse on the Vita than the Dust games, where Gus had finally gotten whatever engine they were using before tuned to the Vita. FYI, I never play Atelier Virus. Virus. Phyllis. Thank you. On Vita, it has uh, has to be up there for the worst Vita port of all time. I would concur. Um, <laughs> sorry, you do a question. Uh, that's why I'm not trying to get the mysterious games for Vita. Yeah. Those Dust games on Vita are pretty good, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> I already have those for PS3, but I'm still tempted. They got new but content. I, yeah, for that matter, I'm going to be getting the Switch eventually, and they have the Arland trilogy coming out for Switch. Yeah, I might have to bite on that. Yeah. Uh, finally, finally time. Though the 3DS version of Verona also has Atelier Astrid as an alternate game mode. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Not that that ever came out in English, so not that that's an option for me. That's pretty yeah. dumb that never came out in English. Yeah. That's strange. That came out like several games later. It's just like, here's Verona on 3DS. I think maybe they had some like leftover contract with Nintendo and they wanted to get something out on 3DS because, I mean, they completely dropped handhelds after the DS trilogy. Yeah, they didn't make specific games for handhelds after that. It's just like, what can we port? Yeah. They had which some issues on the DS case. anyway. Yeah, which is a shame because they finally got the DS games down pretty well. Lena was mm. a good game. And uh, Nora was great. But, not to be. Yeah. Okay, that's an actual question here. Um Sorry you do questions right, let me ta tack on a few of those then. Do you have a favorite bad game, a game that's demonstrably terrible, but you enjoy it anyway? I've got a lot of them. They're not usually RPGs, because a lot of times RPGs require so much investment that by the time you get to what makes a bad game interesting, you've already been playing for 20 hours and you hate your life. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, if, we, if we're allowed to go outside RPGs, oh boy, let me sit you down, buddy. I got some things to tell you about. <laughs> let me tell you about the Mission Impossible game for Nintendo 64. Oh, man. Oh, ba, 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 that game ba, ba, sucks, ba. but it's so dumb. And ba, ba, ba. I played so much of it growing up that it's just like, it doesn't even matter that it's terrible and that, like... It every time you get to an iconic thing from the movie, it plays bad because like it's just. I have so many memories of just like doing stupid things in it, and like occasionally it would react, and occasionally it would not react, and it would do strange, stranger things when it wasn't reacting. So I've got a lot of good memories of that. It's not a good game at all. Uh, it's super stiff. It has awful. It has a fair bit of combat, all of which is awful. Uh, just don't play it, but it means a lot to me. <laughs> Come on, I can't be the only one here. Wheels. I'm trying to think here. Mm. 
bad RPGs that I enjoy. Hmm. If I close my eyes and forget everything about actually playing it, I played way too much of Legend of Dragoon back in the back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I I do know people who liked that one. I do too, and every time I think about it, it's like. Any time I go back to it, it's like, this game's combat has three actions, and also the pre-rendered backgrounds are such that it's nearly impossible to tell where exits are, which is why, by default, the game always has an indicator of where every exit on the background is, because otherwise it would be unnavigable. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, like, there's still a part of me that kind of likes it, even though it's bad. (laughs) Got like bearing in mind that I mean, it was basically an RPG where all of your characters had like a Power Rangers transformation as a super move. Yeah. Let's see, favorite bad RPG. Honestly, probably Metal Max, the original. Fair. Yeah. It's a lot of ideas going on there, I'd imagine. (laughs) Yeah, it's more like I played it after. Uh, it's like the fifth game, fifth or sixth game in the series that I actually played. Ah, um, probably good that that wasn't the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Man, I'm tempted to just name like half of the PS1 games that I played growing up. I mean, I'd say there's bad games, and then there are games that were just they couldn't make the game as good as they wanted to because of limitations on the technology. Yeah, it's like a charmingly, an interesting failure is often more interesting, is often more fun for me to go back to than like something that was merely mediocre. So. I mean, like I went back and like played Shadow Madness like two years ago and that game still, like I remembered playing it when I was younger and it still wasn't very good, but I mean, boy, somebody was trying. Got uh, it's got a level cap of fifteen, but uh, an experience curve like a typical Final Fantasy game. <laughs> and there's a harvesting robot that just wants to kill people, so that's good. It's a floating scientist head for a character. All of these are fine, good characters, except for the two main characters with names like Stinger. But. I mean, you get you get the side characters who have better names, like Zero Von Moon. <laughs> you all have to live with that information now. Oh, yeah. Why, with that. why would you do that um, to us? Yeah. Or something... I mean, I've, there have been a few that I've enjoyed just for the mechanics, even though everything else is so bare-bone, it's like, why did we bother? Um, the, the, mountain, the Mountaineering RPG... Oh, yeah, you mentioned that one. Yep, where if they'd actually put some more work into it, we'd basically have um, basically have something similar to Ogre Battle, except God. climbing mountains. Um, Hello? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were... I thought I'd cut out. Uh, as a second one, one that will probably be more applicable to you guys, 
Uh, have you ever reviewed a bad game where the catharsis of writing the review made up for the pain inflicted by playing the game? Hmm. I did once begin a review with an apology. <laughs> to yourself? <laughs> no, to anybody who read about this game in Japandemonium and thought it sounded cool because I completely misread mm. the propaganda coming out of Famitsu on it. Oh, man. Famitsu, you always gotta, gotta give a second look to see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I think the review to Tears to Tiara Dose was pretty cathartic. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I do. I try to keep it in partial tone as much as I can in reviews, except for Metal Max Four, because <laughs> I just had a ball with that one. I'm just like, yeah, screw, screw objectivity. Yeah. I love this video game, and I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, that's a that's the better kind of catharsis. Yeah, I mean, generally, if I play a bad game, Mutant Souls, um, not even a scathing review can erase the pain like generally when you've had to finish a bad game for review it doesn't matter how angry your review is because you don't get those 30 hours back yeah so really the game got the last laugh regardless yeah still want my Mugen Souls time back you're not getting it. Can I have it back, please? No. Pretty please? No. no. But I asked nicely. Wait, wait a minute, they just called and said that they might do it if you actually pronounce the name of the game correctly. Well, I'm not going to do that, so... I guess, <laughs> That's worth I guess more not. to you than your 40 hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking of, like, the frickin' Simpsons joke with Hans Molman just being like, you took five minutes of my life and I want them back. <laughs> oh, well, I would have just wasted them anyway. <laughs> I love the idea of actually expecting someone to give, <laughs> to give you time back somehow. <laughs> All right, let's see what else is here in his question. Oh, no, that was it. Never mind. There is something about Saga here, though. Oh, please, please. So it says... Um, I'm going to let Dave read this. Oh, is it my turn? Yes. It's my time. Which one's this? Uh, do you want me to read the first half of this, too? Yeah, just read the whole thing. This is from Eternal Youth, I presume? Yes. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes. yes. In the early and mid-2000s, there was, an un there was a trend, particularly with Nintendo platforms, that featured card-based battle mechanics. Lost Kingdoms, Botan Kaitos, and Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memory come, uh, uh, come to mind. Was there a specific trend at the time that led to this RPG design trend? I mean, like, 2003 is about when frickin' Yu-Gi-Oh! started getting imported into the U.S., which was literally a card game aimed specifically at small children. So, kind of. <laughs> like, I would suspect that things like that, there were probably more than that, but I mean, like, basically, that was the time to try to sell... Like, Pokemon had just happened a few years before Yu-Gi-Oh! was still happening at the time. It was like, well, we can just sell children card games. That's non-threatening, and they'll buy it. They'll buy so many cards... If we feel like they will buy things that are designed around cards, they'll think cards themselves are cool. 
It wow. also gives them the option to include lots of little bits of art that are generally cheaper individually to make than a lot of other types of graphics and gives the, the players the feeling that they're actually collecting something. Yeah, you can get a lot of just stuff, just freaking production art. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's not too different from the current gacha system for most for quite a few casual games. Yeah, a little bit, just more. Uh, just they realize that oh, we can take the monetization scheme of a collectible card game now too. Mm. Yes, but make it more abusive because we actually control the numbers individually. But uh, do you believe it was abandoned too early or could be revisited in modern RPGs? I mean, there are still a lot of card game RPGs if you want to go look for them. Hand of Fate, Hand of Fate 2. Yes, both of those. Uh, I have a friend who that is not Wheels that plays a lot of these, so like, I'm sure that if I were to consult with him, I would probably get a list of like 15 of them. So... <laughs> uh, Following up that question, Botan Kaito's Origins, which an amazingly fun and underappreciated gem, lost to most gamers' memories and lacking in any virtual console release, sadly. Yeah, Nintendo's never really tried re-releasing the GameCube catalog, other than, like, Twilight Princess HD, which is kind of an edge case. Uh, I'd suspect you'll probably see Botan Kaito's if they ever do have, like, GameCube games to be resold by virtue of the fact that they own it lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, I generally stay away from things that Masato Kato wrote, but in general, people seem to like Botan Kaitos, so I guess I can't speak for it. Uh, and here's the saga. Here's the meat of the thing. Here's the saga. I cannot help but ask for your reaction or horror at the recently announced romancing saga free-to-play Android installment that is a continuation of the world and story of three feels like a missed opportunity to not develop this on Switch. I mean, they're releasing Romancing Saga 3 uh, itself on PS4, Xbox, and Switch, and Steam. So, mm -hmm. I think I'm fine with that for the most part. Yeah. Uh, series began yeah. on Nintendo, and it's never, Nintendo's never been healthier. I thought that Octopath Traveler might encourage uh, Square to invest in the console release. It's still, like, held back by the kind of abusive monetization that exists in basically all of those mobile games. Like, Mm-hmm. It it just it fits the form factor of a phone phone for good and mostly for ill. I there, this is I think maybe the third saga free to play mobile game. I know about like Imperial Saga or Emperor's Saga, something like that. Wasn't one of those a browser game? Well, one of those was a browser Imperial game and the saga other was the phone version. Yes, I've played both of them. Emperor's Saga was the phone game and Imperial Saga was the browser game. Yeah, I love that those have such confusing names. <laughs> and somewhere somewhere through the interwebs, you can find the RP Gamer impressions for both of those games, and by moi. Speaking of cathartic reviews, the Emperor Saga write-up was not a review, but, you know, it was pretty cathartic to write. <laughs> I take it you didn't have the kindest things to say about it. Well, the very start, the starting line, the very first sentence... Sometimes we do things we regret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. We, we know that it's going to hurt us, or we know that we're not going to enjoy it, but we do so anyway. This is why I played Emperor Saga today. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad that we were spared that. Um, on the bright side, did you guys see the Romancing Saga 3 re-release trailer? Yes. Yeah. Yay. It looks nice. 
I'm glad it all, it'll be coming here. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm hoping that they do a better job with the localization on this one because it's kind of half-assed and romance. Yeah, twos is not the greatest thing in the world. It's better than not understanding it at all, but it's not the yeah, not I mean, the best. Granted it, granted, it could have used a lot of spiffying up on everything, which is why I'm kind of sad that they never gave it the minstrel strong minstrel song in, um, treatment. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, the choice was probably between that and allocating money to Scarlet Grace, so... I'd it say. would have been better spent with making Six Saga 2, but... Harsh. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh... But yeah, so, you know, happy about Romancing Saga 3. We'll hopefully just toss this Romancing Saga frickin' mobile game down the memory hole almost immediately. Uh, I don't know. In Japan, you'll probably be able to get Final Fantasy characters and probably like a near character because that's what Square does with all of its mobile RPGs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, don't support abusive monetization schemes. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening to my TED talk. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine that that would translate well to consoles, where basically I think this would be considered being spared the feeling of obligation of trying it. Yeah. I mean, they, they did try to do it with consoles. It was called loot boxes. Mm. They still do those, but I'm saying they don't... Like they, and they've, they've been struck down as illegal in several countries. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a case of, I think, that on consoles, they feel there needs to be more... They need to pretend there's more of a game underneath the loot boxes. So you get something like Overwatch, where it's like, yes, it's a vehicle to sell you loot boxes, but at the same time, it needs to... It has to have that Team Arena shooter underneath it, where you could theoretically just keep playing that and not touch the loot boxes, because it needs... On a phone, they don't really disguise it as much with gameplay loops. It's just like... Get the loot boxes so that you can do more of this very simple RPG setup and then do more of them. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I figure that part of the reason that you don't see these on consoles very often is that they just generally don't have a strong enough gameplay loop that the company thinks they can get away with it. <laughs> they still definitely do them. Uh, I am given to understand that several of 2K's sports games are actually just a horrifying loot grind haven. Gross. Uh, particularly NBA 2K is apparently just infested with uh, loot uh, loot tables and drop tables and grinding. And apparently, in the grossest thing I've read in the past uh, about month in relating to how video games are handled, they, uh, they did a patch right after the game actually came out, after the reviews came out, before people could play it, uh, that essentially did nothing but make the grind take a lot longer. Unless oh, lovely. Can, which is really just super gross. Uh, and they'll not be meaningfully monetarily punished for it. So, uh, video games are over. Um, I recommend getting really big into shadow puppetry and smoke, smoke signals. Well, hey, if you want a video game that does not contain loot boxes, I hear that... that uh... NIS America is releasing this great RPG tomorrow. Metal Max Zeno or some such. Price. Yes, indeed. 
forty dollars. Forty of your U.S. dollars. That's twenty less of your U.S. dollars than usual. Yes, with no loot boxes. Yeah, no loot boxes. Tanks, though. Lots of those. Mm. Well, well, technically, monsters do drop crates full of loot. They're just not randomized. Not randomized, that's important, but also, you don't have to pay extra for them. They're free with your purchase. True. I mean, Ex- Metal Max 4 had a really, really, really good amount of purchasable DLC that was completely unnecessary for the game. But... It, yeah, but if you wanted to fight an extra dozen or so incredibly off-the-rails super bosses, you could. On the bright side, you knew exactly what you were getting. You didn't have to pay them. You didn't have to shove 25 cents into the slot machine and see what came out. Oh, maybe I'll get the oh, super yeah. boss. Maybe I'll get a color palette. <laughs> yeah. So. That's why I do not pay anything for online games. Or casual online games. I don't actually do MMORPGs at all. <laughs> Though I, I think, actually, no, I did actually donate to Kingdom of Loathing once or twice. Yeah, I feel like donating is a little different, though. I mean, I say donating, I mean... <laughs> Kickstarting? No, it was actually just purchasing an in-game item that would allow me to trade for an item of the month. Oh, nice. All right. yeah. Well, so, there you yeah. go. Yeah, they do those like a new one every month, and they're usually like unique familiars or special items that unlock new content, mm-hmm. or very often familiars that produce special items that um, unlock new content, and you can sell the items to other people. So, some of these things mean like constant in-game income for the rest of your playtime until you just decide to stop playing. But yeah, um, let's see, before I go, I'm also trying to finish up a review on Hero U Rogue to Redemption, because I'm just really behind on all my reviewing duties. Well, at least you're still reviewing games, unlike me. (laughs) Listen, you got a very highly successful podcast. Very important. I do? (laughs) Listen... Okay, it's a, it's not the bot, it's not the least listened to podcast. There, that's that's success. Mhm. What is? Uh. <laughs> no, your no, your, your silence tells me volumes. But, well, if I knew what the least listened to podcast was, it wouldn't be the least listened to podcast, would it? It's true. As long as it's well, not us. It's coming up with some really awful possibilities right now, and I'm not sure if I want to see if any of them actually exist. <laughs> yeah, let's not interrogate this thought further. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, I need to get going in a moment, so anything else, dudes? Um... Um, so just gonna keep making these horrible vibrating noises. Hmm. That means yes. Please stop. Oh god, my ears. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's about it. Um, I have no idea when my copy of Metal Max Zeno is actually gonna come in, but uh, maybe we'll throw up a stream or something once it does. And. Uh, 
That's yeah, that's about all I got on that. I feel like we should do a whole Q and A quest stream of either that or a saga game sometime. We can. There's nothing stopping us. It's true. You could stream Saga too. Good. Could finish that stream of the uh, remake of Saga One. Yeah, one day you'll do that. I think that's been on hiatus for two years. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. It's been a while. Uh, uh, it's not even a long game. It's like eight hours long. Yeah, you know. Uh, oh well. Oh well. We did make it to the fourth world. Jack Kirby's fourth world. All right. Uh, let's let's let Gaijin off. Yeah, let's let Gaijin go, and then we'll finish the last few questions and wrap this show up. Alright, and we're back with a few more questions before we wrap this we're up. We're back, we're playing Man Down. We'll survive, I believe in us. Do you? Yes. If I didn't believe in us, I would have given up on this dog and pony show years ago. That's true. It's very true. I can't believe we're 90 episodes <laughs> in. We're 90 episodes okay. in, Saga's 30 years old. Oh, Time marches on. Um, we're going to have to start planning a 100th episode. I don't know what that entails. Uh, it'll be like that time that you did that uh, mailbag episode where you just had, like, everyone that had ever done anything just show up and answer questions instead of you. Yeah, that was the thing. That was fun. That was cute. Crisis on Infinite Q&As. Let's... let's leave this for discussing sure, after the podcast sure. instead of the middle of it <laughs> uh, so you wanna which one did you wanna do yeah we've, we're going to this will be slightly trimmed down we'll be doing a we had to start recording late so we'll be doing some of these will be saved for next week yeah uh, so I'm, we're just hitting some of the ones that we think we can either quickly hit again when Gaijin is back or that we can uh or that, you know, he wouldn't have much interest in it anyway. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one that I wanted to bring up because it's a passion of mine. Which RPGs can you think of that have broken or useless stats? <laughs> uh, as happens every time that this subject even tangentially comes up. Basically, Final Fantasies 1 through 7 all have at least one of these that just doesn't do much or doesn't do anything. Yeah. FF1's the grand champion for making magic not work anywhere near as effectively as it's supposed to by making the intelligence stat never get called at all. <laughs> uh, the like critical percent chance is also wrong. It's not bugged per se. The odds of getting a critical are determined by where a weapon is in the game's internal weapon table, not what its critical percent chance says that it should be. Nice. It's it's uh, it's real broken. You've got the infamous like, which is is it magic? It's like magic evade is never tested in the SNES version of FF6. It 
instead it'll do like in uh, it, it'll always just test against the M block stat in the SNES version so I mean that's fun <laughs> and then uh, FF7 I think I've mentioned this before the magic defense stat doesn't do anything but the spirit stat which is what's supposed to like work together with the magic defense stat does so equipment that boosts spirit works but equipment that boosts magic defense does not <laughs> which is great and then you've got like one of my uh, not favorite reverse of favorites on this is FF10 has the luck stat which they realized seemingly partway through was too good so it's nearly impossible to raise it <laughs> You've got, like, because the thing is, if you get a high luck stat, it replaces both accuracy and evasion. Because a luck stat of 255 determines whether you're going to crit and also whether you're going to, like, how likely you are to get hit. Huh. So, like, if you have a really high luck stat you can just, you can afford to bottom out your agility and your, like, accuracy. So that's that's another axis of this, of this, is, like, one stat that invalidates the need for another stat. <laughs> which is always really funny to see. So, can you think of any of these wheels? Can't. The one I do think of that similar, but it's not necessarily like stats, is uh, the first Saga game had some abilities that didn't work. Like oh, ESP yeah. is the one I'm mainly remembering. I remember playing through that as a curiosity a few, like about a year ago, and getting that spell and wondering, like, is, is there something wrong with this? No, it's just, it's bugged. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Um, and sometimes, like, your best attack skill for your frickin' mutant will just turn into that and it's just like, well, I guess I'm boned. <laughs> trying to remember what it did in the remake. I think it was something pretty useless. Yeah, that's the fun thing, is that like you get some of these spells that like even if this worked, it wouldn't actually be worth using. Yeah. But I think the funny thing about that first Saga game is unlike a lot of the Final Fantasy games that stats actually worked. Like maybe yeah. maybe because they were more integral to the game because you you know if you make for example using humans you actually have to buy items to increase their stats. There's also just not as many of them. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but yeah, I love the like the the ability that doesn't do anything like what it's supposed to is also like a classic like oh you guys were running out of time when you released this weren't you? Yeah. My favorite thing. For, like Final Fantasy 1 though is that that game came out in the west like three years later <laughs> why didn't they fix any of it they re-released it on the same cartridge with FF2 and they didn't fix it <laughs> uh, you know nostalgia I, I, I would imagine I it was also partially because a part of me wonders if some of those like the the equipped percent, the, the crit percent bug, the game might have been balanced in part around that. Yeah, it could be. Whereas, like, with, with the end thing, I think that was just like, well, whatever, man. <laughs> like, the, the ma magic still has its uses in FF1 if it's really high level, but it also actually breaks the balance of how 
the red mage is supposed to be significantly worse, but it isn't by the end. It has a few less spell charges, but by the end of the game, you probably don't have a lot of high-level spell charges anyway. Yeah. It does... It is funny, like... What, oh, I'm thinking about, like... There's games I can think of where... Like, I'm thinking of, like, Dragon Age Origins, where the the class balance is so bad that one of the that by consequence some of the other stats might as well not exist so like in Dragon Age Origins if you've ever not used a mage you've spent a great deal of time making the game harder for yourself mm. like much much harder yeah like I tried I played through that game with like a warrior and it was just like this game is impossibly difficult why is this so hard and it's like well, everything about the game's balance is balanced in a way that makes mages stronger and warriors weaker, which is kind of the opposite of what FF1 does, where all of these bugs can conflate together to make warriors way... Fighters are way stronger than they're supposed to be, <laughs> and wizards are way weaker than they're supposed to be, although nothing is ever hit quite as hard as the thief class, which is not supposed to be as useless as it is. But it's one skill that it's supposed to have that defines it before it becomes a ninja. It doesn't even work. <laughs> ninja, like, thieves are supposed to be better at running in FF1. They are not. Whoops. It's, uh, I've seen people, like, beat their head against solo FF1 thief runs, and it's... Even if you get to level 50, it's nearly impossible. <laughs> and that's the highest level in that game. And the, the like if you manage like because it's just so many like the the thief's armor is so bad and they have so little capacity to do damage that they get to things like Astos and Astos has so much uh, defense the only way they can do damage is by doing critical hits and those are really rare because their weapon is high on the weapon table so because like their their weaponry maxes out really early their weaponry sucks so but they also have no defense against like things like Astos's freaking instant death attacks so like you'll get to something like that or like lich and it's just there is a one in 200 per one in 200 chance that this will actually succeed because you basically just have to keep getting rolls until you get, like, a bunch of critical hits all in a row. It's ridiculous. So yeah, that's the that's the beauty of poorly balanced classes. Uh, I remember it, moving a field of this Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. The Jedi Guardian has an ability that was not well considered, like. On paper, it's not the worst idea in the world, but in practice, it usually just gets you killed. Because one of the things that you get in KOTOR 1 when, you, when you're a Jedi Guardian is that you get an ability that gets you to force jump to enemies that are far away. And there are situations where that's good, and it makes sense that, like, oh, you're the big melee brawler, so you, can, you want an ability that gets you close to the fight so that you can start taking attacks. The thing is, there's also a lot of situations where you're actually just going to jump into the middle of a bunch of other melee fighters and get completely destroyed because you're getting attacked by nine things at once. 
Sorry, that was a long ramble. I really like uh, unexpected game un imbalances. Uh, let me know if you have any. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more. And I mean, um, I can think of some things like in Destiny where uh, they make a cool gun that ends up being horrendously overpowered and everyone has to have it, or no one's going to accept you in a raid, stuff like that. Oh, MMOs are chock full of that. Or even just, like, classes that, like, either never get, like, updates or, like, new skills or, or like, armor and weapon sets that just sort of end up languishing as an MMO gets into its 12th expansion. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a tragic thing, especially if you've already invested into, like, well, this is the class I like, and they aren't giving it much support in these new expansions. Yeah, I mean in, in Destiny it was kind of bad because it's like, this is not an item you can get through a quest or anything, it was completely random. In fact, awesome! In fact, one of my friends did not get said rocket launcher, the Galahorn, until like a week before uh, the year two expansion came out where he would no longer be able to use it anyway. So. I love it. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, video games are bad, actually. <laughs> Don't play them. Play only the good, completely well-balanced ones. So, in other words, none of them. Play only Saga games where you know it's not balanced. There you go. There's probably a lot of uh, discussions to be made about Saga games and imbalances within them. I think there are some uh, Emperor classes you can get in Romancing 2 that are probably not worth much of your time, but at the same time, getting them once gets you the ability to pass down those abilities to future Emperors, so a lot of times it's worth having at least one of them. <laughs> Duh. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got I've got a lot of passion for this subject. I'll see if I can come up with more of these by next week. Because uh, I love when something just like oh, whoops, that's probably not supposed to work that way. Mm-hmm. I had a really good time uh, this week wondering why a simple program I put together wasn't doing anything, and it's like oh wait, I forgot to. This is C++. I forgot to tell this to pass by reference, and so it just kept taking in the value and changing it, not actually changing it. And just being like, oh, I gave you back what you wanted. <laughs> uh, and okay. So yeah, cut these people some slack. Programming's hard. It is. It's pretty hard. Especially if you're programming in C. Or assembly, which most of these things that we've discussed probably were also in. Yeah. Uh, assembly's a nightmare. Uh, moving on, I think, since we don't seem to have further on this. That question was from Budai, by the way. Oh, cool. Thank you, Budai. Uh, is there... Do you want to move on to the one that you had picked out? 
Uh, I already forgot which one I picked. Oh, yes. Uh, so Budai also asked us for our favorite Western RPG. Mm. Uh, we'll ask Gaijin's next week. But uh, Yes. And I'm going to put a caveat in here. It cannot be a, we a Western design RPG styled after a like a Japanese RPG. So, <laughs> it's no like Cosmic Star and Carowin or anything like that. Fair, fair. Hmm. Well, I was just talking about it, and it's definitely up there. Uh, Kotor, still, still a big one for me. Yeah, that's a really good one. That and its sequel, in as far as its sequel is complete, like those last few hours are confusing and obviously not done. But before that, it's really neat. Uh, what about you? Um, I'm probably gonna have to go with Baldur's Gate Two. Oh man, you're going old school. Yeah. Still one of my, still one of my favorites. Still, I think it's one of the earliest games I remember where it was like, oh, this has like really awesome voice acting, whereas a lot of the other stuff I was playing at the time was pretty bad. But like recognizable voice actors, because it had um, the guy that did Ra's al Ghul and the ba Batman the Animated Series. Nice. Pretty sure. Uh, uh, Jim Cummings, the voice of Winnie the Pooh, was in there as well. Jim Cummings is the voice of so many things yeah. that it's weird to confine him to just Winnie the Pooh. It's true. Let's see if I can find one the of the memorable ones there. I'm just looking up the full voice cast. Jim Cummings, Gray Delisle, D. Bradley Baker, hey, Michael Bell, Greg Berger. These, yeah, it's basically like. Who was in... Uh, it's just one of those... Hmm, who was in cartoons in the early to mid-90s? Yeah. And all of them are very good at what they do. Yeah. And, yeah, like I said, it really shows in this game. And that was a time where there wasn't a lot of that in games. Oh, hey, Camp uh, Clark. And it really enhanced the story for me, because it's a really in, in, weird and interesting story. Um... Speaking of uh, Disney voices, Bill Farmer, the voice of uh, Goofy and uh, Sam in the Sam and Max LucasArts game from back in the early 90s. Nice. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. But I mean, you know, Bioware obviously continued that trend with their future games, but that's kind of the first one. I, I never really played much of the original Baldur's Gate, so... It's hard to play. Yeah, AD&D two and a half rules are very mean. Yeah, here's the thing: starting at level one in D&D sucks complete ass. It's really, it's really, really hard. Like I, in our, in the most recent campaign I've been in, like the our DM basically just like he gave us the choice of start at level one or start at level five. But like, even though we started at level one, it was like you can take a level after like the first session. You can take a level after like the second session. Get to the point where it becomes interesting to play D and D. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was the great thing about Baldur's Gate or Baldur's Gate Two. Just skip it's all like that. A... You're already in the middle of an interesting story, and you don't feel left out because it basically gives you all you need to know right away. I mean, some of the returning char was... characters you might be confused about, but I mean, for the most part, it's it was a fine starting off point. 
Well, Baldur's Gate one could make two could make like Baldur's Gate two took an interesting approach because it decided to make assumptions about who was with your party. Yeah, which was important because Baldur's Gate one couldn't. So there's so any choices that it makes about what your character has already done is kind of just the developers just being like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like. You what what backstory does your character have? Mostly it has whatever we want you to have. So like you don't actually miss out much by not playing Baldur's Gate one. And you don't you don't miss out much by not playing Baldur's Gate one. Period. Just in general. Because <laughs> like we brutally, said, yeah, it's a brutally hard game. Uh, the pathfinding is really really bad. Yeah, starting uh, at level one in D and D is just awful, especially if you especially if you want to be a wizard. Because it's not like they, unfortunately, made con- make concessions for because it's a video game. You will have like four hit points, and you will die. And it oh will suck. man, there's a. It is possible that that is another of these like didn't think about it stat block ideas. Is it's possible to die in the opening cutscene of Baldur's Gate? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Ah, uh, there's like a thing, like. There, there's the other part that's really fun, which is that it's possible for the guy who, like, your protector who's supposed to die right at the beginning to accidentally kill the person trying to kill him. And then, oh, the game doesn't know what to do and it soft locks. It's like, I don't know. Abort, abort. <laughs> like, why did you not... Why did you not hard code what was going to happen here? In fact, why did you have this take place in the actual combat engine? What happened here? Mistakes, man. Mistakes. But yeah, he could, if he rolls really well, he can win. He can win that fight. And then the game doesn't have a fall through. Whoops. You would think they would have noticed that, but they didn't, so whatever. It's fine. Is it fine? I mean, Is like, it... it means that you... The game locked. The game's over. You're done. You can play two instead. Boom. See, it's fine. I agree. That is fine, actually. But, yeah, KOTOR wanted... To, we both just really liked Bioware back when they still kind of... They made slightly more open games, I guess. Not yeah. to the... Not to the complete, like, sandbox style that someone, like that even, like, Baldur's Gate 1 is almost to that point where it's just like, go wander around, go do a thing. Yeah. But, like, where they they got to be directed but still open, like yeah. that era means a lot to me. Yeah, those those are the type of open-world RPGs I like because it gives you just enough freedom, but it still gives you, like, a directed story so you're not just wandering around not really knowing what to do. So those both are also the ones where they like came they came up with a thing that they would become very reliant on later of like each character having like a very specific quest that's very personal to them. Which yeah. is uh, good choice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you I know, mean, I I have a few honorable mentions as well. Uh just good ones like um Alpha Protocol, which doesn't get enough love. Oh, that game is so good. Bring yeah. it back, baby. Uh, Dungeon Siege 3 also doesn't get enough love. <laughs> you may notice the pattern here. but uh, Fallout New Vegas 
You're definitely noticing a new pattern. <laughs> you, may, you may have noticed that Obsidian Games made a lot of these. Yes. You complained about uh, bugs. We enjoyed awesome RPGs. Yeah, I mean, like, Alpha Protocol is still one of the most pleasantly reactive games you'll ever play. There's so many ways that that game will, like, it, it's, it shrinks its scale. Like, it doesn't have those open environments, but it trades that in for something that's actually worth seeing because it shrinks down so that every interaction can have every ha, can have some sort of interaction with every other like reaction yeah so like you'll get these things where it's like if you go looking for what actually happens if you were like there's one guy that like He's he basically he dogs you the for a large portion of the game and you'll never get the chance to fight him unless you spend essentially every single interaction with him just doing your best to piss him off at all times <laughs> at which point he will like he will break script at the end of the game like not literally break script but he will go against what would be his best interests at the end of the game to try to come and kill you because you piss him off so much <laughs> and that's the only way to get the that's the only way to kill him the only way to get any sort of confidence on him there's all sorts of stuff in the game like that or like it has one of my favorite scenes ever i think wheels might remember this one but like you're investigating the you go into this mission and like the game tells you you're like looking at the investigating this like ice cream shop this gelato shop and like the entire game the entire thing is just one long conversation where the game is just trying to bait you into pulling a gun <laughs> and like because like the guy is like reaching under the counter and he's doing all this like he's talking like kind of evasively and like the entire thing is just seeing if you do it, and the punchline at the end, if you if you never like pull a gun and try to like preemptively strike, is that he reaches out from the counter, like suddenly bolts out from the counter, and he's just holding up two giant like ice cream cones and just says gelato. <laughs> <laughs> it's so such a good play on the player's psychology. Uh, what what was the name of uh, Nolan North's character in that game? Uh, it's like Stephen Hack. Yeah, that guy is great. Uh, let me I cannot remember this. his name though. But yeah, that's also a character that you can get. Uh, you can improve your relationship with by sending him an unedited excerpt from Time Cube. <laughs> Which is good. Oh, yeah, I was right. His name is Stephen Heck. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, there's there's just... That was a game that really rewarded repeat playthroughs because, like, allying with different people would get you very, very different... Like, it wasn't just you'd get different outcomes. You would get much different pieces of the story. Yeah. There were like playing through it more than once. You would start to realize connections that like were always there, but there just wasn't enough information in the first path you took to piece together how they fit together. So yeah, go play Alpha Protocol. It's still yep. it's dirt cheap anywhere you can find it, and I think it's still on Steam for like five dollars, and it's really good. 
It is, and I think it plays a lot like Mass Effect, which I think ended up being to its detriment. Because people yeah. tried to play it like a shooter instead of the RPG that it is, and um, yeah, it got a lot of bad reviews, mostly because of that. Yeah, definitely put your points into, like, Pistols is a fine one, like, that is useful in basically all contexts, and, like, Toughness or Punching or both, uh, and but basically, like, those those will keep you from dying. <laughs> and don't play and try and play the game like it's Gears of War, also. <laughs> it, it won't work. It will not work. Yeah. Uh, it's not... It is an action RPG, but very much, like, expects you to play it with RPG sensibilities. Yeah. So, like, if you're... If you aim a sniper rifle at somebody's head and have the aim perfect, there is not a guarantee you're going to hit them in the head. Unless you have I did the not... correct sets. <laughs> I did not kill a single non-boss in that game. <laughs> that is pretty I rad. I ran up and punched every human being in the game. Impressive. It was really stupid, but it also, like, the game... That's another thing that the game, like, is paying attention to that no other game does, is when you get a mission loadout, if you kill people non-lethally with, like, punches, you get a hospital bills uh, stat. <laughs> And like for each of your uh, non-lethal kills, you'll get you'll get a higher hospital builds. But if you kill uh, if you kill people with guns, like if you actually kill people, you get a orphans created. <laughs> it's pretty brutal, uh, and it actually like in in one of the stranger choices, like what how many orphans you create is going to depend upon where you are i guess to reflect the idea that certain cultures people just have more children <laughs> so like you will usually if you're in certain parts of the world shooting someone will create a higher orphans created stat it's pretty brutal yeah the other thing that's interesting about alpha protocol is that it gives you a lot of dialogue options but it's one of the only games that sort of plays into the idea that someone who would be selecting their reaction very specifically based on who they're talking to and trying to impress them is kind of a sociopath. <laughs> and so it's built into the game's introduction that the reason that your character is this super spy, is, has been chosen to be the super spy, is oh, your personality like, you're, you passed all these tests because you're really good at manipulating people. And so, like, it kind of gives a reason as to, like, why are you able to pick all of these really contradictory reactions at all times? It's like, oh, it's, it's because you're, you're never actually choosing what Michael Thornton believes. Michael Thornton believes something entirely different from all of the choices you're making. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, like, what you're doing will reflect, like, who you choose to ally with is really the only effect you have on Michael Thornton's personality. You're never choosing to react how Michael Thornton is thinking. You only can be a reflection of where his thoughts are taking him as an ally. It's interesting. There's a lot of layers to that game. Yeah. Use a remaster, please. Please remaster it. Put it on Switch, actually. <laughs> actually, give us a Dungeon Siege 3 remaster while you're at it. Although, we at least have that one on Xbox backwards compatibility. It's yep. nice. That, that program is an unsung hero of the generation. It is. It really is. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of like weird picks, like why did you waste any effort on this? But I mean, for the most part, 
it's it's just been great. I feel like a lot of people have gone back to play things like Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon and stuff like that. Who wouldn't uh, have had a chance? Yeah, exactly. And those games would have been lost to time if there was not like this concerted effort to we need to make these compatible with our newer system. Yeah. But yeah, for why did you bother going back to this? I think a lot of times it's like, well, it doesn't require a great deal more effort compared to an already more desirable title. Sure. <laughs> I believe that was uh, back in the Xbox 360 days when they started doing that for that system. That was the reason that you would see something like Barbie Horse Adventures on the uh, on the list of backwards compatible titles. Is like, well, it was it was not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining, like, this just perfectly organized and commented Barbie Horse Adventures <laughs> code. Yeah. yeah, so... I mean... the, the We got a lot of... I, I feel like Western RPGs over the past few years have been going in a direction that is less interesting to me. Agreed. But, I mean, like, those those early, mid, late... Like, that entire aughts decade was really good to the genre. Well, I'd, I'd say at, at least... Well, I'd say a lot of Western gen- genres in general are becoming more RPG than they were in the past. So, like, got stuff like Spider-Man that's got, like, level-ups and stuff. She's gonna write her review of that on the site. Yeah. And get... Get tossed into the trash for having attempted it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like um, Bethesda and not much else. Bioware is currently in like a licking its wounds stage. Uh, no, they got Anthem, yo. Licking its wounds stage. <laughs> uh, hopefully Dragon Age 4 is less aimless than Inquisition. Uh, like that was them like trying to recapture like the idea of having the big sprawling like semi open world, but they went too far and there's just too much empty space with nothing interesting. Yeah. You've got um Obsidian, God bless them, seem to be doing a lot simply based on nostalgia. I mean, they they are. It fine. also just allows them to do those ambitious interconnected games on a much smaller budget. Yeah, I'll probably grab Deadfire on Switch. I have a pre-order on it. I just finally found a copy of Pillars of Eternity for the X-Bone for a good price, so I'll give that a go. Like I'm, I only finish things on Switch, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've got the sequel on pre-order on Switch as well. <laughs> Now give me Baldur's Gate on my Switch. Uh, yeah, the enhanced editions would work nice. They put those on, like, iPad, so why not? Yeah. You can play Civilization Six. I still... I, I just can't comprehend that. I, <laughs> I, I, I keep forgetting that it's coming to it, because it's just like, uh, what... <laughs> Civilization has a very strange history on consoles. Civilization 2 came out on PS1, and the interface for that sucked. (laughs) Yeah, I have a copy of that. I'm sorry. 
It's just I don't think three, four, or five ever came out on consoles. It's just for historical purposes. Yeah, it has a it has a weird cheat where you if you rename a city cash while holding R one, you get a lot of money for it for some reason. It's interesting. See, I don't think three, four, or five ever came out on anything PC, so it's kind of crazy. That's just like, uh, oh, I guess, I guess you can just do that now. You would have just ported it to mobile eventually, but I guess you decided, let's make a pit stop at the Switch. <laughs> and hey, look at this list of platforms. Microsoft Windows, Mac OS, Linux, iOS, Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Weird. Maybe maybe they're just like, well, the touch screen means that we can alleviate some of the bigger problems that we would have otherwise. I guess, although I don't really want to use the touch screen at all. Too bad! <sighs> You'll probably be able to use other options. Yeah. I do wonder if that ver- if the Switch version will come with the first expansion. I imagine so, but I don't think they it's really been said... Like- it's been like, by the time it comes out, it'll have been nine months since that expansion happened. Let me see if I can find any information. Uh, it comes with... Latest updates and improvements, four extra content packs, including Vikings, Poland, Australia, and Persian Macedon Civilization scenario packs. So it sounds like it comes with a bunch of the content packs, but not with the expansion. Hmm. So I guess we'll be seeing that. Uh, that will probably be sold as DLC somewhere down the line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sounds about right. That's fair. It's nice that they're including the content packs, at least. Yeah. I might dip on that. I haven't ever really given Civilization its due chance. You should. So I've heard. I love the series. I even met Sid Meier. Oh, nice. And got my copy of two for the Mac signed. You should have had him sign a copy of Railroads. Eh. <laughs> I just really like some of the games that have Sid Meier's name on them, because they have names like Railroads! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Yeah, some weird stuff in there. Should have had him sign a copy of Pirates. That's actually a really good game. I, you ever play much Sid Meier's Pirates? I have never played Sid Meier's Pirates. Really good, actually. I should give it a try. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Sid Meier's Gettysburg. Never even heard of that one. That sounds like a fun one. Uh, it was followed up by Sid Meier's Antietam. <laughs> Sid Meier's Sid Meier's The American Civil War (laughs) Oh here's one for you Sid Meier's Sim Golf Nice Just for you Uh, Sid Meier's Pirates Sid Meier's Railroad Sid Meier's Sib Rev Railroad Tycoon There's a lot of these I forgot there was a Sib Rev too I don't think that ever came out for anything but mobile It came out Came to the Vita what? Yep. <laughs> Came to the Vita. I have a physical Asian copy of it. What? Yep. Just everything about that sentence. Came to the Vita. I have a physical copy that was only distributed in Asia. Yes. 
That's magical. May we as humans never forget how amazing it was that frickin' civilization will forever have a frickin' Gandhi who is ready to go nuclear at the slightest provocation based on a tremendous underflow bug. From Speaking of stat blocks not working the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. A great aggression underflow bug in the original civilization. <laughs> That they just keep recreating intentionally because now, like, aggression has a bunch of different axes, but Gandhi just have a, has a crazy high nuclear aggression uh, stat in all the later ones, just as a joke. It's pretty funny. So it's hard to get Gandhi to attack, but if he does, he will nuke you. <laughs> uh, I'm just rambling now. We should stop. <laughs> No, Civ Talk is great. Uh, we can discuss that more in September when we not September, November when we try to deci- discuss whether it's an RPG or not and find out that of course it's not. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course it is. The turn based strategy game. Correct. Totally an RPG. With simulation elements. Listen, I just want to I just want an excuse to review it, okay? Is that okay? How about you clear it up with the higher-ups, and then we can discuss whether Listen, you get Wheel, to review. Reels just wants a, a sweet, sweet review code, okay? Is it too hard? Is it too much How about to ask? ask the higher-ups and see what happens? All right. Uh, this is crime. Uh, let's, let's finish this off. All right. Questions? Uh, we gotta, usual we place. Got, we've got questions. That doesn't mean you can slack off. We'll always need more questions. We really yeah. appreciate them. Please send us your Metal Max questions, especially after some of you have started to play it. Um, hopefully my copy in comes in up. soon, and and I after praising NIS, Check. they have yet to ship my copy of the game. Good work, A plus. Okay, recent order. Or actually, you know what? I'm gonna take that back because on a few occasions they have shipped it out. I just didn't get the shipment notification until after I already received the game. So mine arrives tomorrow. <laughs> nice, Amazon. Yeah. Sweet. I got it for 40% off. That's 32 bucks. Not 40% off. 20% off. That was 32 bucks. Not bad. Nice. So, yeah. Metal Max. Uh, I suppose there's other things you can probably ask questions about, but we might just replace them with Metal Max. It's true. But yeah, otherwise I guess we should uh, put the end to this. Yeah, uh, send us questions to the usual place. Uh, uh, let's see, recent happenings. I'm putting up a few recent streams of The Hunt, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. We'll probably be streaming more of that soon, uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's also, we, Phil is always streaming old PC games. Speaking of Western RPG, West. Speaking of Western, Western RPG, RPGs, thank you. Yeah, oh man, I saw him like just beating his head against Icewind Dale for a yeah. few of those streams. It was just uh, not Icewind Dale, Icewind Dale Two. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he just beat uh, Curse of the Azure Bonds, which is pretty impressive. So, yeah, I saw him doing that one. He seemed to be having a lot more fun with Curse of the Azure Bonds than he did with Icewind Dale Two. Yeah, I don't think Icewind Dale Two turned out very well. Not so much. It's for super players, and it's made by yeah. assholes yeah. 
Um, it also never came to the Mac, so screw them. You're you're still very very upset about I'm this. I'm not bitter about anything that was never ported to Mac when it should have been. Especially not certain Valve games. Okay, it's not. We're all good. Valve and I were good. We're bros. Are you? No, not at all. But yeah, uh, questions, stuff, things. We'll see you next time. Usually say, "See you, space cowboy." Oh yeah, I was yeah, waiting to press. I was waiting to press the stop button. Never turn back.